been doing the fruits of the Spirit, and they asked if I wanted to share, and I said, yeah. And I said, just, you know, whatever you want me to share on. And so they took the guy that deals with teenagers, the guy that has three elementary school students living in his house and is also a Steeter fan, and said, hey, we're going to have you teach on patience. And I'm like, oh, great. And then I thought about it. I'm like, okay, for those that know my personality, know a little bit about me, have been around me, they're like, shouldn't his wife be teaching on this? Because she's the one with all the patience. Um, but I want to challenge you guys as we go into the Word this morning and as I share with you guys about patience. Um, my, my question to you is, did you come this morning, did you get up this morning and, and say, I'm going to go attend church, or was your thoughts is, I'm going to go experience God? And that's kind of where we're going to go to this morning, and that's kind of my challenge, because it's easy to get up and say, well, it's Sunday, I'm going to go to church. But how many of us get up with anticipation and say, I'm going to go experience God this morning? I'm going to go spend time, some time with God. And so that's kind of where I'm coming at this morning. I'm going to challenge you guys in the, the fruit of the spirit of patience. Um, there's a story of there's a man, and he was parked at a red light and uh, waiting at the light, and all of a sudden his car stalls. Some of us have been there, right? And all of a sudden the light turns green, and what happens? It gets a chorus of horns honking, and so he's frantically trying to start his car. And the horns are just going off, and it's, you know, the pressure's building up. And so finally he gets up, gets out of his car, and he walks to the car behind him calmly. He wasn't upset. And he asks the guy in the car, the guy rolled down his window, he says, hey, can you do me a favor? And the guy's like, yeah. And he goes, can you go try starting my car for me while I sit back here and honk the horn for you? <laughs> and uh, it's kind of that mentality. We, we, we feel the pressure of, of not having patience. Um, the art of patience is hard to find. We cry out to God, said, Lord... Give me patience, and I want it now. We don't want to wait for it. And, and so I'm going to share with you guys about this. We live in a go, go, go society. Everything is, is immediately. We have to have everything immediate now. We can't imagine how our parents or our grandparents got by. I mean, how did they function? We, you know, we live in a life that's, you know, 24-7. We have our cell phone in our hands and computers and all these things going on. We have uh, express oil changes, no-weight pizza, Pictures. If you've ever taken a picture with a kid, what do they want to do immediately? They want to see it. You know, back in our day, if you took a picture and someone wanted to see it, they'd hand you a piece of Polaroid paper and you had to do this for five minutes, you know, um, for those of us that understand what that means. Uh, you have coffee shops, microwaves, overnight deliveries, cell phones, texting, Skyping. I mean, drive through windows. I mean, how fast do you want heartburn, right? Um, but how many of us have been in a drive through and gotten so frustrated because it was taking so long? You know, patience, patience. And then the one that's probably one of my biggest struggles is uh, driving. Driving. I'm, I'm never in a hurry to get anywhere at all, if you know me, unless I'm in my car. And then it's on. It just seems like I get in my car and I'm like, okay, let's go. And I'm racing everywhere. And to me, it seems like I always get behind what I call the man in the hat. And that's the guy that left yesterday to get to the store today. And I'm always going, no way. And uh, so I'll like, go through parking lots, neighborhoods. I'm trying to, you know, U-turns, thinking I'll, I'll get there faster if I just get it out of this traffic or whatever. And it's just that patience. Um, just last week was a great example because uh, I got a ticket um, driving too fast. And I was heading to the zoo. And I'm like, think about it. Where the animal's going, if he's not here in five minutes, I'm going back in my cage, you know. I mean, what's the hurry? It's like patience, patience. Um... There's also, as I was looking for information on this, just some different illustrations, and there's a video on YouTube, and it was a little long, so I didn't want to show it, but they, they talk about patience, and they have uh, 
uh, a room set up with a video camera, and there's a little kid sitting there at the table, and they use different little kids. And uh, am I ringing real bad? They uh, set the kid down, and they put a plate down there, and they give him one marshmallow. And they look at the little kid and say, you know what? You can eat that marshmallow right now. Or if you wait, we're going to go in the other room and get you another one, and you can have two of them if you wait. And so they close the door, and the kid has no idea they're on camera, and they videotape these kids. And, and you know, little kids, this, they start to go bonkers because there's the marshmallow right in front of them. And they're waiting because they want two. I mean, that's much better than one. And so the kids will be rolling it around their face. They'll be licking it, smelling it, you know, um, just going crazy. Some of the kids were banging their head like, oh, I can't do this, I can't do this, just for another marshmallow, you know, trying to teach them patience. And then the, the excitement when the person walked back in, they're like, yeah. You know, and the one kid, they give him two, and he stuffs them both in his mouth. You know, he just couldn't wait. But we live in a society that wants our relationship with God to be the same way in our time and at our convenience. Our time and our convenience. You know, if they had a church that had a drive-through window, a lot of us would actually do that. You know, you go to the first window, you pay your tithes and offering. Second window, you, your communion and your app for your sermon, and you're good to go. I went to church today. You know, I got it all taken care of. Um, because it's just, it's just immediate. We want it now. We want everything um, at our convenience. So we know that God is real. We know that he forgives our sins and that he has promised to never leave us or forsake us, but we, we still struggle. Why? Why do we still struggle? And I put down here that we're impatient. We are impatient. And so we're going to take the impatient test. I'm going to test you guys this morning. Is that all right? This is kind of like, if you ever heard, you know you're a redneck if? Well, this is, you know you're impatient if. Okay, so you can follow along with me here. You know you're, in, you're too impatient if you have ever left a restaurant because the server took too long to take your order. You know you're impatient if, and this is one I, I struggle in, you know you're impatient if when reading a bedtime story to your children, you've skipped a page or two or made things up to, to expedite <laughs> the process. Anybody done that? <laughs> you know you're impatient if you have shaved or put on makeup while driving. And you have another problem if you do them both. All right? You know you're impatient if, when you see a yellow light, your tendency is to accelerate instead of brake. You know you're impatient if you've ever asked yourself during a sermon, how much longer is he going to talk? Especially if you're asking that right now. Um, you know you're impatient if you've ever cut through a parking lot in order to miss a stoplight or to save time. And the last one, you know you're impatient if your kids think their first names are, come on, hurry up, and let's move it. <laughs> and I could go on and on, but I don't want you to get impatient with me. So, impatience. Impatience is the inability to endure opposition. And I like this one, it's restlessly eager. You're restlessly eager, you're impatient. Patience is not apathy, it's not disinterest, laxness, or being lukewarm, or neutrality. In 1 Samuel 13, um, we have the story of Saul, and Saul let fear and impatience destroy what he was going to pass on. And it was the story of when he was, had his army together, and he was waiting for the prophet to come to do a sacrifice, and he just got impatient. He couldn't wait any longer. And so he did the sacrifice himself, and as soon as he started doing it, the prophet walked up. You know, he just got impatient. And what happened? It said that from then on, that he, his, the kingdom wasn't going to follow in his, his family's footsteps. He lost the kingdom because of that. Another example of impatience is in Numbers, Moses. 
And Moses had done so many amazing things through God working through him. And there was a point that he was supposed to go up. And before he'd hit the rock and water had come out with his, his, his rod. And this time God said, I want you to speak to the rock. But in his impatience, he hit the rock again. And water came out. But because of that, he wasn't allowed in the promised land. The land that God had promised him, his impatience cost him the promised land. So I put down here, what is your impatience costing you? And how do we change it? How do we change it? So I, I thought I'm going to cross an easy way to, to remember this um, is in the term stop. Stop. And, and why I did this? The annual cost of running a stop sign or a red light in medical bills, car repairs, and tickets is $2 billion a year. Okay? The average amount of time saved by running them, 5 to 10 seconds. 5 to 10 seconds. Or we call what is called the California stop. You know what that is, Right? Where it's kind of the rolling. I'm not really stopping, but I'm, you know, I'm almost stopping. And we try to convince the cop, I was stopping. No, you weren't. You know, but, but what is it going to cost us? It saves us what? To stop. You know, that, that five seconds. You know, and that five seconds is important. But patience. Patience is a self-restraint before proceeding to action. And if you've, you've read and, and, and you go through the fruits of the Spirit, it actually uses the term long-suffering instead of patience. So I'm like, okay, long-suffering. And so long-suffering, if you break it down in two parts, the first part in the, in the Greek is makros, which means suffering, suffering. And the second part is thumos, which is wrath or anger. And you think about that, you're like, oh, maybe I don't want patience, you know? Suffering, wrath, or anger for a long period of time, that doesn't sound like the patience that I, that I kind of want. So if we're going to be long-suffering, we're going to need what? And so I, I'm using the acrostic, as you can see, is, is stop. And so it's an easy way for you to kind of think about, okay, God, I need patience in my life patience in my life. And so this is a, a great way to, to kind of put it together. And so the first letter in stop is, is the S. And I put down here strength. Strength. Colossians 1, 10 through 12 says this. And we, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good, in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. So what it say there? It said, in his glorious might. And so this first part of strength that comes in, you know, here's Paul's, uh, the Apostle Paul's prayer for the church at Coloss. And, and in talking about this, he says, it's in his strength. So the strength that comes about, the first letter there is, is not your strength, but his strength. His strength. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, talks about that, that, that strength of, of too many of us try to do it on our own, and we try to do it in our own strength, and we try to have, have all these things happening on our own, and, and, and yet to have this patience that we need, we need to have his strength. And Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, 
And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And so if you think about it, many of us in this room are constantly battling with things in our life. Whether it's with our kids, whether it's in our marriage, whether it's in our finances, jobs, just regular stuff that we're coming in battle with on a day-to-day basis. And we try to defeat it in our own strength. We try to stand up strong in our own strength. And we forget about what the Word of God just said here on a daily basis, picking up the Word of God and saying, you know what, I need to put on my armor. You know, we get up and, and we're in a rush and we got to go and, and we got to get the kids ready for school and ourselves to work and all these types of things. We don't take time to spend time getting his power for that day. And a lot of times we'll partially do it. We'll put on the armor and then we go and we spend the whole day avoiding the enemy's attacks instead of fighting back. And yet the word just said that, that if we want to stand strong and we want to stand in his strength, that we need to fight back with the word of God to, to beat the enemy and, and beat the things that, that he's pull, pushing down on us on a daily basis. And, and, and that we struggle with. It's time to fight back. And so the example I put in here is found in 1 Samuel. And, and this is the, the example of David. And we know the story of David. This is when he was first starting out and, and uh, he went before the king because Goliath was out there and they needed someone to stand up against him. And David went and, and shared about some of the battles that he had been in. And um, when he went to face Goliath, he didn't say, you know what, I can, I can do this. You know, I'm pretty tough. I mean, he's a teenager, but he's like, you know, teenagers can do anything. And that's, you know, you could have probably looked at that. That's what David's thinking, right? No, but this is what David said when he faced this battle. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will stand you, stand, will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I'll give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. And so here's a young man that says, you know what? It's, it's not about me. It's not about my great skills and all the things that I have but my God is going to defeat you. And how many of us run into battle, run into things we're facing in our life, in our family, in our marriage, in, in just what life brings around us and we run into the battle? Are we too busy running away? Are we too busy running away? David ran into it. And he said, not by myself, but, by, but in the name of the Lord Almighty. So his strength, the first one. Patience doesn't mean we sit back and do nothing. We just don't run into it without God and his strength. So the first one, his strength. The second one, T, is timing. Timing. One of the biggest factors that affects our patience is time, right? You can ask my wife. She bought me a watch because she's like, dude, you are never on time to anything. And she thought I'd use it. I just use it as a great, looks good. Um, But she says she's going to put on my tombstone. I didn't realize what time it was, you know. That's just something that's just, you know, in me. But part of being patient, part of that is not only God's strength, but his timing. His timing. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual, spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we have two words there that he uses, and the first one is conform. And conform is the process by which someone is forced into a certain image. And it's, it's like saying, you know, to, to be a Christian, you have to look and act a certain way. And you have to conform to this, this outside appearance of something that is happening. And so I've accepted Christ in my life, so I immediately have to become this. And that's conforming. I use the illustration of a cookie cutter. And whatever design is on that cookie cutter, you press it into the, the dough, that's what's going to come out. Because it, it's, it's conforming to that pressure that's there. And a lot of us conform to a lot of pressure that's around us. You know, whether it is in our walk with God or whether it's just in the things of this world, we conform to that. But the scripture goes on and uses the word transform. Transform is the process by which someone or something changes. And we know this by the example of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. It's not just bam, it's there. You know, it's, it's the timing of, of it going on and, and the process of it changing. And, and it takes time for this to change. An example of this is, uh, a perfect example of this is Joseph. And we know the story of Joseph. Joseph was the one that was, you know, at first looked down upon by his brothers because he got the coat, you know, the colorful coat. And then Joseph, not being very bright, had gotten a, a vision and a dream from God. And he immediately went to his brother and said, oh, guess what God told me? And he shared this dream that he had about them bowing down to him and, and it made him more angry. But God had, had given him a dream, had given him a vision. Did it happen right there? No. Joseph went through a period of time where his brothers rejected him. His family rejected him, turned their back on him, sold him, wanted to kill him, but sold him instead. And then Joseph, doing the right thing, was thrown in prison again because he, he, he fled temptation and wrong accusations were brought about him. And yet he was thrown in prison. And, and, and Joseph could have thrown up his hands and said, God, you gave me a dream. You gave me this vision. What's happening? Why is this not? I, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm done. Here I am doing the right thing and I'm in prison. Why would you do this to me? Why is this happening? But yet, even in prison, he followed after God. And because of his, his diligence and, and knowing that God was going to come through, he moved to the top of the prison. They, they put him in charge over everything. And yet it was in God's timing that Joseph saw his dream being fulfilled. Patience. Patience. It says in, in, in Genesis 4, 45 and, and, and 7 and also 50, 20, I kind of put it together. It said, God sent me before you to pres- preserve for you a remnant in earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. And so even in this dream, even in anything that was happening, God followed through. It was in his timing. Never confuse God's patience with his approval. Never confuse God's patience with his approval. Patience. The strength of patience hangs on our capacity to believe that God is up to something good for us in all our delays and detours because the evidence is seldom evident. Patience. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him. The Lord is good for those who wait for him. So we start off and we have this stop sign and, and the S is his strength. And then we have his timing. And then we step into the next one, which is O, which is obedience. Right, great obedience, right? And this is in Romans chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. And, and I said this is the key to patience. This is very important in patience. But Romans 5, 18 through 21 says this. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, 
So also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. And this is talking about the obedience of Christ, of going to the cross. And the law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of Christ's obedience, we are set free from sin if we accept his grace, which is free. And then it's our obedience. So we have his strength, his timing, and now it's our turn. And it's our obedience. Our obedience. Obedience is an action. Obedience is an action. People who do very little often have little trouble with impatience, right? If you're not doing anything, you're not really going to be impatient about anything, right? So you have to be doing something, the action that comes with it. 1 Timothy 1, verses 15 and 16 says this. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Shouldn't we show Christ some of the patience that he's shown us by not giving up? You know, shouldn't we show him a little bit of the same obedience? And so in this, the example I came up with was the example I just read about. The greatest example we have of obedience is Christ himself and what Christ did for us. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 13, talks about what Christ did. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. If you have a King James Version, that word is actually let us run with patience. Let us run with patience, and and those words are used um, together there. But let us run with patience the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin... You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the word of encouragement and addresses you, that addresses you as sons. My son, do, make, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirit and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. 
Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather be healed. And so in this, it starts off and it says, run with perseverance or run with patience. The word there is, is hupamon, which means hope, which refers to that quality of character which does not allow one to surrender to circumstances. That patience, you're not surrendering to your circumstances. How many of us have wanted to surrender to our circumstances, to things that are going on around us, maybe with our kids, with our marriage, with our own life, with our own struggles, with our own sins, um, all these, our finances, all these things that can come against us and, and we can't persevere. We don't stand strong through it. And then, it's, and then it talks about running with that. And then how do we run with it? It says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Not on people around you, because people around you are going to fail you. Leaders are going to fail you. Parents will fail you. But it says, fix your eyes on Jesus and endure. Endure. Patience. And then it goes on, it says, share in his holiness. How do we share in his holiness? Obedience. Obedience is the point of sharing in his holiness. And one of the statements I use with our, my teenagers all the time is holiness is not the absence of sin, but the presence of God. It's not the absence of sin, but we put it the other way around. And we think in our own mind, if I can just get rid of all the sin in my life, then I'm going to be so holy. Then God will have room to come in. And so we work so hard at trying to get rid of sin. And we put all the effort in. And we're doing all these things to get rid of all the sin in our life. And, and, and God's saying, if you just place Jesus Christ in your life. And, and the closer you get to Christ, the less sin that you're going to have in the life. The more that you pursue after him, you'll see that those sins will start to fall on, away from the, on the side because Christ is represented in your life. But we work so hard to try to get everything right first. But it's his strength and it's his timing and our obedience. John Piper put it this way. It says, the, opposition, op, the opposite of impatience is not a glib denial of loss. It's a deepening, ripening, peaceful willingness to wait for God in the unplanned place of obedience and to walk with God at the unplanned pace of obedience, to wait in his place and to go at his pace. Ouch, that's hard, huh? That's hard. So we have stop, we have his strength, his timing, our obedience, and then the last one, perseverance. Perseverance. James 5, 7 through 11. Be patient, then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and the spring rains. You, too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, Brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And so on the perseverance, again, how many of us give up on the first bump in the road? Oh, we're done. That's it. You know, we hit a bump. We can't persevere through this. God is in the process of completing a work in us. We just need to persevere. We just need to persevere. If you're a pastry chef and you're baking a cake and you pull it out way too soon, what happens? You just ruin the cake, right? Or, you know, I, I joked about this earlier. My wife, you know, about month five when she was having our first child, she was ready. 
Uh, I'm, I'm ready. You know, you can take it any time. You know, but that was way too early. You know, you had to wake up, wait out the process. It's the perseverance in, inside of that. If he's the potter and we're the clay, then let him do the molding. And by placing us in the fire, we persevere until he pulls us out into perfection of what he intended for us. He knows the timing. He knows when it's right because he is the potter. But we want to take control. We want to be in charge. We want it in our timing again, persevere. And so the example is the one I just read is in Job. And, uh, or job, I, I, I said that Job, I think there's a reason that Job is spelled Job. You know, because perseverance, it does take patience. And it is almost like a job. It is work to persevere. It does take effort. And so Job 42, verses 1 through 6, was put this way. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job realized that God does things for a purpose, and through everything he faced, his eyes were open to who God really was because he persevered. And it goes on to say that God blessed the later part of his life more than the first. And many of us in this room have heard who God is. And we know what Jesus Christ has done for us. And yet, because we don't persevere and we can't push through the things, we never really get to see who Christ is and what Christ has in store for our life. Because too many of us are, are, are giving up in our struggles or we just, you know, we don't understand that, that it's in his timing and his strength that our, our obedience will pay off through our perseverance. So patience, an easy way for you to remember this. The next time, every time you see a stop sign, you have to stop. Hopefully this will come back to your mind, what stop represents. Maybe if you did it in your mind, you'll stop the full stop. But his strength, his timing, our obedience, and our perseverance. And so I want to close with this very important verse. It's found in James 1.22, and it kind of goes hand in hand with how I started this off, saying, did you come this morning to attend church or to experience God? Did you come to attend church or experience God? So you ask yourself this question that's in James 1.22. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Do what it says. That's the challenge. So as each one of us, we're, we're going to have a baptism here and... and some of us need to stop and examine our life and see who's in control. To see what's, what's going on and who's in control in our life. And we're going to do a baptism here and then I'm going to close this up in prayer. But I want to challenge you um, in, in your life and in everything that you're going through and the struggles that you're facing and all the things that are happening. You need to stop. And, and the fruits of the Spirit, you know, they all kind of work together. And, and I shared with our young people, you know, love is first and, and the... They all kind of funnel through love, but they're all for us. It's not like we just take one fruit saying, I like that one. I'll skip the, pers- the, the patience one because that one sounds a little tough. I've got to do some work in that one. You know, but all those fruits of the Spirit are for us. They're given to us. And yet this one here is, is a challenge, patience. I think in every one of us 
can be honest and say, yeah, I struggle with patience in a lot of areas, but especially in my walk with God. And so hopefully this will stick in your mind to stop his strength, his timing, our obedience, and our perseverance. And so as we go into this, this baptism time, we're going to rejoice with those that are getting baptized, and then I'm going to close things up and dismiss you. But uh, just join with us as, as Doug takes us into the baptism.